0: Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Tennessee returns to action tomorrow night against Missouri. Guys, it looks like uh, Jared Garantano is going to be the starting quarterback. Jeremy Pruitt said on Wednesday he knows who his starter is, not going to announce it until Saturday. But it feels like it's Jared. On the surface, Jesse, you and I were talking about this, that makes sense. He's the more experienced guy, more road-tested but this is not a place he knows a whole lot about and this is not a team he knows a whole lot about unlike Kentucky you know 2 weeks ago where he had the most experience against and the most success against the Wildcats
1: yeah i mean he's you know Jarrett did not play in 2017 when we were, when we were there you know for the for the Butch Jones wake uh <laughs> and and 17 <laughs> it was yeah we, he he did not play in that game that was a Will McBride game um and then last year he played i think less than 10 snaps it, it stat we talked about right for the podcast and i'll have kind of the ten things he hadn't completed a pass against the Tigers. He had like four dropbacks, got sacked twice, and in two interceptions, and he was out. And, and he's that was walking obviously in there with
2: the he's walking in there with the Luke Skywalker this 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 year. Yeah,
1: and that was another you know fifty point. It was the exact same line. They lost fifty. Tennessee has lost fifty to 17 two years in a row to Missouri, uh, and and Jarrett did not play in one of those games and was non complete non factor a year ago too. So this is this is not a defense that. Well, we can talk about some of Missouri's flaws. Barry Odom still does have a pretty good defense that Garantano has any real experience or
0: knowledge about. With, even though he didn't have experience, Rob, it does make the most sense, I think, to start Jared. And I agree with g- that. Given, and I, You know, jump on in here too, but it does make the most sense to start Jared given what he's done with Tennessee the last... You know, I mean, three ball games, Bell and Tennessee, out. It would seem like if he's ever going to ascend back to the starting lineup, it would be now, right? Yeah,
3: I mean, and, and, I, and I, I get, I mean, and I think some of the vitriol against Jared has uh, was subsided there after, after the Alabama game has subsided. Yeah, you know, in in the last few few games, but and, and I like Brian Mauer. I mean, I think he's got a lot of potential, so I'm not down in the kid. But I mean, he's got the same amount of interceptions, five, as Jared does in you know, 74 pass attempts compared to 170-something for Jared. I mean, the kid's just hes just mistake-prone. You're going on the road. against a tough defense. I mean, Missouri, by yardage, has the number one pass defense in the SEC. I don't know, you know, if that's actually – if I feel like they are the best pass defense, but they're giving up the fewest amount of yards. And, I mean, it's just going to be a tough, you know, low-scoring game where mistakes are going to be amplified, I think.
0: Well, and it is a Missouri defense that – regardless of that, they will bait you into stuff. They disguise stuff. I mean, it's pretty complex. I mean, Barry Odom's a defensive guy, and, I mean, he has always had a solid defense up there. Now, on their better years, they've been able to play at the quarterback position with, with you know, Drew Locke for years, but they don't have that right now. But he's always been able to play defense, and he's always given Tennessee some issues with the exception of one year where Tennessee kind of boat raced him out. Other than that, he's held Tennessee down pretty good in their seven Very,
3: No question. I mean, and they've held, you know, I mean, Georgia scored 27 points on it, but it wasn't easy. I mean, Florida last week had a, had a really hard time moving the ball on them. They hit a big, couple big plays in the passing game, but couldn't, couldn't run it effectively in the least. I mean, it, I mean Missouri's got some
0: problems. Defense is one of them. Every year they're pretty good on defense, Austin. But they never recruit anybody that anybody knows about on it's defense. I mean, it's, re- it's really pretty remarkable. They've always got defensive linemen who are effective. I
2: think it also speaks to the level of talent around the St. Louis area. That really is kind of untapped, and nobody even knows about.
0: You know, really, you think like maybe those guys don't camp enough, or they nope. don't get they don't get the recognition that way because it's not just a heavily well, area? it's not recruited. It's area. not
3: covered like it is in the you know in Georgia, Florida,
0: Alabama. I think it's
2: easier for a kid like that to fly under the radar there. I, I just so just, you think
0: some of those kids, if they were in Georgia, would be more talked about, more known, more, more so. highly regarded.
2: Yeah, I think that's why Tennessee's super excited about Spraggans and and for him to stay. Seven hundred and forty-six committed percent committed or whatever this whole time. I mean, you know, I mean the the kid just ha, I mean has a little bit of nasty in him, and so I think there's a lot of kids in that area that just you know come from rough upbringings, and you know they don't they don't get to go to camps. They don't they you know their little bit of football that they play on you know Friday nights is you know something they gravitate towards, and I think Missouri kind of.
1: The irony is, uh, is that, that a lot nice that of def- that defensive talent, though, that Missouri has is almost almost all those guys from Texas. Like They've landed guys that are younger guys that, like, Chad Morris was unable to get, you know, at Arkansas. And it's the, the Kobe Whitesides, who's their best pass rusher, who has six or seven sacks. Nick Bolton, sophomore linebacker, he's probably one of the more underrated players in the league. Uh, you know, everyone thought they were going to lose uh, or have, have a huge drop-off when Garrett, Went out for the season, and he was kind of the—he was one of the guys that I think Tennessee had interest in and was checking in on. You know, when uh, this summer, when there was kind of the kerfuffle between Barry Odom and and Jeremy there. Uh, But I mean, like a lot of the a lot of their better players are from Texas, which is just kind of funny because you wouldn't think about that. And and that's when you go down their roster, that's where they're from. Did you say kerfuffle? Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> he, 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 just hit a. Surrey. He defined kufuffle.
2: <laughs> he, he, he just hit 344 points on Scrabble.
0: Double word, triple word score. It's, 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 it's all the it's it's <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look, Robs were like, oh, I knew that word. Robson and I are like, what the crap? me? <laughs> um but, but not enough for a fight, Rob. But you know, it's a little little, little tension there. <laughs> would you would you would, would you do look at this this. Their their development it is pretty interesting because they they aren't the highly regarded but yet they always have defensive linemen that could play and I think that's a credit to who and it's they totally are. This
3: sure. year they've had dudes on offense. I mean look at Drew Locke wasn't anybody. I mean I know I remember you know Steve Forbes the head basketball coach at ETSU, is a friend of mine when he was an assistant at Wichita State he was trying to recruit him to play basketball I and mean, he was a you know kind of a under the, under the radar recruit in both sports, you know, who, who played both. I mean, and they Emanuel have to. I Emmanuel Hall was, was from getting Emmanuel Hall, I mean, he was a guy that, I mean, made all kinds of plays at the SEC. The
2: Crockett kid, the running back. You know, of course, Round Tree, too. The, the
3: tight end they've got now, Albert O, whose name I'm not even going try to try let's, to to Let's go ahead. I don't to. Do uh, it. I, I can't, not Come even on, leave it, it to me. Albert yeah, I mean, dude, Albert Ocker cr- <laughs> 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 I <laughs> <laughs> they, but
0: they—they've they've found. I mean, they've—they've done a good job of finding because because Missouri's never going to be a place that they're going to go in and line up and recruit the four and five star guys and beat out Ohio State for a guy out of Chicago or something like that, or come to the come to the South and beat out a bunch of SEC schools for players. I mean, they have done a nice job developing a footprint of what they're going to do in recruiting. Arkansas should take note in their coaching hire. To find somebody who can develop a similar blueprint and
3: i think it it feels less like an sec environment than any other place in the league i mean it's just not even close i mean maybe vanderbilt but i mean vanderbilt's you know kind of been the little brother of the sec for so long that that you expect that but as far as a state school it's just i mean it it, they're they're up i mean they're not going head-to-head against any traditional SEC school and and win it without some kind of
0: significant tie. Yeah, and you're right, it doesn't feel like a typical SEC school. They're not in the arms race with all the facilities. They've certainly been through a lot. They're going through a lot right now. While they've got some defensive talent and they've had some defensive success, offensively it's been a big-time struggle for them. Why Why do you guys think the Kelly Bryant experience hasn't worked? I know he's been banged up and hurt some. But why did that seem to feel off just, all the way through? He
3: doesn't have NFL talent around him in all positions like he did at Clemson. He kind didn't of just see it. an average quarterback. He can't really throw it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also all a matter of perspective because, <clears throat> you know, you look at his raw stats, and they're honestly not that different than Jared Garantanoff. <laughs> and, and that's a guy who, you know, we have praised for his play the last three weeks. Um, I think Kelly's probably running more than he probably expected. Uh you know, a year ago, folks were pretty high on, on Derek Dooley, and and now, you know, he's being criticized as the play caller for being too predictable, not kind of figuring out a way to get some of, you know, while they don't have the Jamon Moores and, and the Emmanuel Halls that they've had in, in recent years. They do have, they I mean, Roundtree's pretty good. He's been banged up, but they have some other young running backs, and they just haven't been able to really get those guys
0: involved. Yeah, I thought the Beatty kid was a good player a year ago. He, he's not had a big, he's a a little, little bit of a sophomore slump uh, for him at this point in time, although he's been more a, a, a factor in the passing game. So if you're Tennessee defensively, what's your biggest challenge? What's your biggest worry in this game? I think it's I think it's Kelly Bryant's legs. Yeah, well, letting him
2: extend it. plays. And then, I mean, even when you have good coverage, if you can't get home and he's able to extend some things, go back to Kentucky, if, you know, if Len Bowden could have thrown it at all, as much as he's able to move around and extend, and I, he's a better athlete than Kelly Bryant is, but my point is, is like, you let Kelly Brown extend some stuff, then that's going to make the, the stress on the secondary that much greater. And Bryce Thompson's done
1: 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Nance is like their best receiver, and I don't think he's anything overly special. I mean, he's, he's pretty good, and he averages 15 yards of reception. But I think it's stopping the run. Roundtree's given Tennessee fits the last two years. Uh, and then making sure – um, he's been better in recent weeks, but maybe you put night maybe uh, Daniel Batulli's been better in recent weeks, but maybe you put Nigel, Nigel on or, or a better guy on, on, on their tight end. I mean, he's the guy that they go to when they need a big play or when they need a conversion on third down, or it, specifically in the red zone. I mean, he leads their team in touchdowns uh, with twice as many as anybody else on the roster. If Bryce can go,
2: and you feel pretty good about Kenneth George, why not put Elante on the tight end? Why not and put he's Schamburger? I was. I've already asked for Seth Alante, which would be good with Schaubert too. Alante's longer, bigger. You know, it can potentially body-wise match up with a tight end. Yeah,
0: I just. I, mean, I don't think that is one of your best three defensive backs on your way. He's just been inconsistent, but you're right. Physically, he matches up. Uh, that 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 part of the game plan uh, will be Tennessee's. I think biggest challenge is how do they defend the middle of the field because it's where Missouri has found the most success uh, on offense. And although it's been um, Limited, limited success. I, I still kind of marvel at the stat that they don't have a wide receiver with a touchdown reception in SEC play. They've, they've become the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago when Alex Smith was a the
2: quarterback. They, just they, dinking they, and dunking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they now. never
0: threw a touchdown pass to a receiver for like the longest, longest stretch of games. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty crazy to think about how high octane they've been to the point now that they're just having a hard time getting behind anybody and getting in the ends on that way. On, on the flip side. Um, how does Tennessee attack Missouri defensively? We sat here and talked about all the stuff, you know, praise for Missouri and their development of players. This is a Missouri defense that doesn't give up the run. How does, does Tennessee even try to run the football in this game?
1: Well, it's weird. They, I mean, they, this you would actually think – I'm not sure
0: Brian Maurer is exactly this type
1: of player, but Missouri did get torched by Bowden and Plumley, but those were just two guys who just kind of, you know – They're just, just single wing just guys. Play, guys just yeah, running just, around, just playing right? peewee football kind of, yeah, and just – running around georgia had some success florida was able to do absolutely nothing less than 50 yards um net uh so i i think we all we're all agree that tennessee's going to try to at least establish some sort of a uh, running identity but i think if you take you take a look at what florida did last week while it wasn't in terms of huge chunk play yardage they had success success flexing their running back mainly p ryan out in one-on-one situations with a linebacker or safety and just getting a quick first down and then they had the, the touchdown it was like a, it was like a 15 yard touchdown but I could see them doing that But that's just not something that Tennessee has really done since the BYU game you know we've seen very little involvement with the tailbacks you know I had in the PFF piece during the bye week very little in terms of targets uh, almost non-existent combined through the last eight games compared to the first two weeks of the season.
0: Aren't you a little surprised they haven't tried to get a little bit vertical with the running backs, particularly with Ty? I mean, it, what little bit they have did, did what they did do early in the year, was all lateral stuff. It was everything lateral. I'm a little surprised they're not an arrow route, There's not trying to get matched up in a linebacker and, like and what they did deep or something like that. Like yeah. what they did at Auburn last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. you
0: know, that they, they, they've they not been able to do that. They've, they, they've elected not to do that. Uh, I don't know how Rob, how much they'll even try to run the ball. I mean, it's like it, you can kind mean, of sense when Jim Cheney doesn't think he can run it early in the game; he just doesn't even try. I mean, almost, I almost—I mean, I'm,
3: I'm sure there'll be a token effort, but I mean, Tennessee. I'm pretty sure this is right now, 146 yards on the ground in the last two games. That's against UAB, who's—I mean, they're good, but you know, lower-level team. And Kentucky is one of the worst rush defenses in, in the SEC, and Tennessee got no traction. And meanwhile, Missouri's pretty good. I'd, I mean. Sounds simplistic, but the best players on your offense are your wide receivers. I mean, I think you've got to find a way to get them the ball, whether that's, you know, chunk plays or, you know, trying to get Juwan something short and let him break some tackles. But I'll, I'll be surprised if Tennessee sniffs 100 yards rushing in this game. Yeah. I, 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 they're trending bit. the wrong way. I mean, I, I thought midway through the season, I thought they were getting better. Now but
0: but do you think But the week off and healing some guys up can trend that back in the right way, or do you think – or do you think we make you make too much out of the fact they played six in a row, and that's why they sort of trended down, you know, a little bit banged up here and there the last couple of ball games.
3: I just, I mean, I just think they're not that good. I mean, they're one of the few teams in the SEC. I don't think they have a dynamic than, back. They're, they're averaging less than four yards a carry. I mean, I, I, I don't think. I mean, it's not like Darnell Darnell Wright. I mean, he's. I think we all know, think he's going to be a, a really good player, but it's not like he was. Dominant by any stretch of the imagination, right. and I don't think that's why they struggled.
0: Right, with him out, and they played with the rest of the guys, albeit some of them maybe a little bit banged up, Wanye and stuff like that. I, you know, um, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I like I like the guys they have. I think they run hard, they, you know, but I don't think they have a difference maker at tailback, which is why they're in the, the hunt and recruiting, looking for another tailback in this class to go with T. Hodge, because I don't think they're I don't think they're dynamic. I don't think they're great back there. I don't think they have a guy well, who can turn a lot of five-yard or three-yard runs and twelve-yard runs, that type of thing.
2: And the thing is, is, in recruiting, I mean, I think T's a really solid player. I think Lineth Whitehead's a really solid player, but it's not like I look at those guys and I think, okay, those guys are a great combination of power and then wiggle and speed. You know, those guys are, are bigger guys. I mean, they're gonna. I think they can get you know get you eight, ten yards pop at times. You know, if they have a good good hole, but I don't think they're gonna be, you know. Breaking tackles and going sixty yards a bunch. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't. I mean, Tennessee. That has been an area that I'm in agreement. I don't think Tennessee, whether it's on the roster or in this 2020 class, I mean, even has like, a guy that like, is a corner of Quandre White.
2: You know, he's the
1: same type of guy. Big guy,
2: not gonna breakaway speed. I,
1: I I will say I do think Tennessee hopes with maybe another year um, that Eric Gray can be that guy.
0: Sure. Right. That.
1: With another, he's just
0: of, not been able to break a tackle. At this he's just, point. He, he just, yeah, tell he needs, he needs another, he needs a year in the weight room. <coughs> he's just had a hard time making. Breaking, yeah, he, a tackle, he made those guys
1: breaking. miss that second week of the season I against mean, BYU, and it really, it just hasn't translated no, since that game. You know, it hasn't.
0: It, it's, I mean, he's kind of. And his carries kind of
1: have, have have also diminished. I mean, yeah. in terms of playing time, the the confidence is not there. Obviously. Uh, with the play callers.
0: All right, biggest biggest challenge for Tennessee in this game. I mean, Tennessee's not a favorite to, to win the game. Lines drop big time, though. Uh, I think most people think that this is an easier game than what they once thought it was going to be. Biggest challenge, biggest key on each side of the ball for this game for Tennessee. You I'll, say Kelly Bryant's legs?
3: Well, I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge for the defense. Offensively, I mean, just find something in the run game. I mean, just don't be completely one-dimensional because, I mean, I mean Football one hundred and one. You're gonna be easy, easy to defend if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, if it's
2: you know, design the quarterback keeper from time to time. You know, um, if Juwan it's one in, in the Wildcat, if it's an end around to a guy like Palmer, um, you know, or whoever. You know, I, be, try to be creative, but don't just abandon it. I agree with Rob. I mean, I think you know, even if it, you know, even if you only get two yards at a time at at, at points in the game, stick with it. Either maybe you pop one, or Missouri has to come up respected enough to where you're able to, you know, get one over their heads and and make a chunk play in the pass game.
1: For me, I think it's really Tennessee staying out of its own way early. You know, I, I don't think as, as many flaws as Missouri has. Don't give if, them a reason to get up. If you if Tennessee gets down 13 nothing like they did to Kentucky, I don't think they come back on Saturday. I agree with that. I, I just I, I think that. Missouri's going to have some motivation anyways, you know, I, I don't know how much, but I, I'm sure Odom is, is going to go into this game wanting to kind of walk out with a W considering that he was none too pleased with Tennessee's head coach. And is
0: their la- last home game? for Last Houston home Steelers,
1: game, you know? not sure about, you know, their bo- their their bowl appeal is still kind of up in the air. Um so yeah, don't don't give them kind of an an early reason to gain some confidence and whether that's a turnover or you know, block punt, whatever, Tennessee does not need to get down early um on Saturday. And if they if they're able to, you know, kind of slowly find their way into the game, I, I think, you know, right now you like Tennessee's momentum and, and talent over where the Tigers are, but they can't get themselves in a yeah, hole.
2: Whereas if they were to get up early, you wonder if Missouri doesn't just lay down. I mean you go back a couple of years ago. When Tennessee was playing uh, Gary Pinkle in his last game, when Tennessee, you know, kind of got up by more than about ten points, Missouri just kind of laid down. Yeah, sure. I you mean, know, I, I mean, I, they, they didn't have
0: much to play for at that point. Right. I, I think turnovers are are huge in this game. I think Tennessee's got to take care of the football, uh, and they've got to they've got to protect Jared. So he keeps his eyes downfield and he doesn't doesn't start dropping his head and and missing stuff because he's worried about rush here and rush there. So I think keeping him a little bit clean and Jared taking care of the football are are paramount for Tennessee, what I expect to be a a low-scoring game. Um, Quickly on the recruiting front, I know we talked about recruiting in in the podcast on Tuesday. Um, Quiet this weekend in terms of visits with, with Tennessee being on the road. The next weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, one would think not a lot of visits. But that's up, shaping up to be some noteworthy stuff.
2: Uh, I mean, Tennessee's going to have quite a few kids in here on the 30th uh, for that final game. And, uh, you know, I, Jesse, I mean, th- they're wanting to potentially look at another corner in this class. Joel Williams was thought to come in that weekend, but that's not going to be the case. I think Tennessee just finally punted on that one and decided they, they're not going to go down the road with Joel. Um, you know, Tennessee wants to get other guys back up here, and that includes Lineth Whitehead. That would be an unofficial visit, um, and, and I expect him to be in town that weekend. And then you never know who makes it back up in here. Uh, you know, that you know for that Vanderbilt game unofficially. You know, they're, and they're set to have a couple of official vis- visitors with Morvan Joseph and some of those guys. Well, in Cahill. Yeah. I, mean,
1: I mean, I I, mean, you know, we had it in the war room. I think this week is kind of like, right now, it's kind of almost like the calm before the storm because it's going to start really picking up next weekend with those official visitors. Cahoe and the domino effect of that because does he make a decision soon after? How does that impact a guy like Desmond Tisdall? You know, and we, again, we had it in the war room, but the the numbers are going to start to become interesting uh, the Fascinating. closer the closer we get to the early signing period, because yes, you know that Darne, the Darnell Washingtons and Amari Thomases are guaranteed spots, but even in the best case scenario for Tennessee, they would not know and, it, and not have an answer for either one of those guys until maybe secretly on December 18th. But perhaps not even those guys could just opt not to sign anywhere and just walk on campus. Uh, now, in Darnell's case, because he will be an early enrollee, <coughs> Omari will not. Um, so they could just decide to just announce at those All-American games in early January when you're kind of in the middle there. Whitehead, I think Tennessee's in a great spot there. Uh, but does that mean that Tennessee's done it running back? You know, do they still go after Andre White? They, just, You know, they just offered the UCLA kid, um, you know, Jabari Small is that going to be a blue shirt option as a way that you know you, you really try to get uh Amari Thomas. It's just some interesting, you know, uh
0: and they keep, things to kind of sort out. It keeps feeling like they want to add another one. Okay, well we'd like to have another, you know, like to have another corner. <laughs> well you're not going to turn down any of these defensive linemen. Well you like to have another running back. Well you like to have another Well they one. want an offensive they, tackle they too they and they can't take I, all of them. Again, I go back to the, the the
2: the comment I made on the practice field on what was it earlier this week Wednesday. You know when I watched D'Angelo Gibbs just snag one out of the air. He he opens up a world of possibilities to not have to take any more receivers in this class because of what he's been able to do on scout team and what he was able to do last spring in practice. And and that honestly gives them a little wiggle room. If if you know like a year ago like a guy like George Pickens if if a guy like that fell your way you're gonna take him but you're not just gonna take one to take one since you've got a guy like him waiting in the wings. And he's got experience, he's older,
1: you ain't going to have to wait on him either. But but even it's, hypothetically, you just eliminate that, you know, Tennessee has 18 commits, they want to take 25, just get, go ahead and give them those three defensive linemen. Okay. That's very few numbers it's that you Four got. spots left. Yeah, it's very few numbers. Le'North you... Whitehead, three spots
0: left. Yeah. That's my point.
1: Keho oh, could make it too. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, like you it's know? and then saving one for Darnell and you want you saving one for Darnell and you want a corner. Well, who and the, the problem the I think is, Tennessee really has right now is that there's two spots that they want guys at that they don't really have targets for. Or like corners, one of them, and and true offensive tackles the other because. They're not really in it for Chris Morris right now, and I don't think they're particularly pleased with taking a guy like Flax or Antoine Reed as a Juco guy for an offensive tackle. So that's, you know, how that kind of ultimately, you know, plays itself out will we'll be want something to watch, I think, in, in early December.
0: Yeah, I, and again, some of this will start to sort itself out with official visits, you know, like what does Keto do, Keto do what, what does some of these other guys do the, the first week of – of December moving forward, um, numbers always work themselves out, right, Austin? Yes, they do, Brent. But in this in this instance, it, it's easy to say here. I can go, you know, they may have
2: to cut somebody, right? And,
0: and I and I look at it and I'm like, who are they going to the, cut? Unless they're playing with some numbers that we don't know about, and you never know how that you never know <laughs> yeah. how that system works. <laughs> yeah, somebody no can always about it. somebody can always find a number somehow that nobody has <laughs> figured out. Speaking of numbers that have a hard time figuring out, Rob what's the story on this on this 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 overseas basketball kid that's playing in nba australia or whatever that deal is
3: santiago viscovi yeah yeah what's the story there i mean he's just a a guy that that tennessee stumbled onto this summer thanks to a guy i've talked about ken mcdonald volunteer assistant coach he was working with usa basketball this summer during the FIBA championships saw the kid um you know has a lot of contacts Based on him, you know, working with, with USA Basketball, and you know, I've said on for a long time now that Rick wants another point guard in this class, and um, kid, all the only place the kids visited is Temple. I don't know if he's going to make the trip back. You know, he's in Australia, so chances are it may be Tennessee and Temple. Although, you know, he could wait and come back in the spring. But also, all he has to do is pass, he, pass the ACT or the SAT, and he can enroll in January, which is what Tennessee is talking to him about. They have they have a spot, so. Um, you know, you don't know how much he knows about the college basketball landscape, but if it, I, I would imagine come, if it comes down to Tennessee and Temple, you kind of have to like Tennessee's chances. Although, you know, there's going to be some talent coming in next year that, that he would have to compete for time with, which I'm sure Temple is telling him about. But he's a, he's a guy that you know, has good size. If you, if you check him out on YouTube, there's plenty of highlights out there. I mean, the kid has a really good feel for the game and has played against high-level competition on the international scene. All
0: right. So I get the attraction if he comes in in January because you ha- you don't have you don't have point guard depth necessarily. But now, I don't
3: think that he would necessarily play in January.
0: Okay, well let's look, look at I'd this. I'd be stunned. All right, let's look at this team moving forward. You, you got you got the Bailey kid who's sitting out, right? Not a point guard. Not going to play point.
3: I mean, maybe in a pinch,
0: but he's okay. There. So who's their point guard next year? Jaden Springer. Jaden Springer is their point guard. I think so. Oh Josiah. If right. Assuming Josiah's back. Right. Which I think right now that would be the leaning. I mean, now things can change, and sure. I mean, he gets hot and everything else.
3: Jaden Springer or Josiah.
0: So they need a third point guard. And Rick thinks they do,
3: and I think Rick's also influenced by that because I don't know that. I mean, that he thinks that Kent, that Springer, Keon Johnson, or Josiah are going to be here very long. Is a big is a big part of that, which is something that Tennessee fans haven't had to think about.
0: So is the, is the kid from Australia going to be? Is he a long term guy? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think so. He's not like. A he's, not
0: like a, he's not like. He's not going to be like a one. He, he's and not down. on the same so. level as.
3: Now he could be a one and go play overseas somewhere, but I don't think he's a one and be the NBA draft guy. So dude. would
0: would, you, would they take would they take a, him and a big man yes, find a way to get a big man and, too and. Keep in mind, uh,
3: Dylan Cardwell. Numbers about are always working themselves I'm out. <laughs> I'm trying to sort you know, all the mean, numbers out.
0: <laughs> is he
2: aware that there are several outback locations in the Knoxville area? Area? He's from Uruguay. Oh, he's just, he, so he's so currently Australia he's via Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love this man. We got to get Fran Freshilla in
0: here for a full analysis. So. Uh, all right. So so go back to, to big man here. What, what do we got? I mean,
3: it's just. Good. I think Tennessee is talking to a lot of kids, and I think when it came when push came to shove, I think they were uncomfortable over signing in November. Because they didn't want kids in the locker room wondering, well, man, they've signed one more guy, than they have scholarships for Am I? Are they? Are they going to run me off? You know, just you know, having that mess with team chemistry. But I think there are some guys, Dylan Cardwell in particular, who Tennessee is going to stay involved with, I and then mean, they'll know what the numbers look like in the spring. I mean, let's face it; people people leave every year. Right. I mean, somebody's left this program every year since Rick's been
0: here. So if they add two more, they got to lose two. So if they well, add, your- they
3: don't. They've got room to add one right now on the current okay. roster. Okay.
0: Right Giro's. now he came in now,
3: right? Well, they okay. just have twelve on scholarship, so okay. that that, w- that wouldn't be a problem. They don't have to lose anybody for this kid to enroll. In January. Okay,
0: for this kid to enroll in January, so they would have to lose.
3: they would have to lose well, one somebody else in the spring. Don't
2: you think though, if the kid enrolls in January, I mean, it, I, I, obviously he's not going to come in. Demand a bunch of minutes, but don't you think he actually plays this year? At some I moment? don't know if
3: he's playing. If a guy that comes in and that hits the ground in January is going to play point guard for this head coach in SEC
0: play? It's true. It took <laughs> Jordan Bone about two years to figure out how to play point guard for him. So I, I mean, he, I might get get, he
3: might get some garbage minutes, but I mean, I think the value you get of that
1: Lamonte <laughs> tournament or Turner <coughs>
0: redshirt. I think red the shirt. value they <laughs> see
3: there is just that he would really be if he's in here, if he's practicing, if he's in the program, he's ready to hit the ground running in the fall.
2: And if all hell broke loose and and you had to have him he would be – you would have a body. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you know what I'm saying? If somebody got hurt – Be available. Yes.
0: Interesting. All right, what's next for this basketball team? The schedule's getting ready to get harder. Yeah, but we'll find out a little up. bit
3: about them certainly next weekend in, in Destin, Florida. I mean, they've got a couple of tune-up games. You know, UT Chattanooga, I think – I may be right. I think it's Chattanooga on Monday night. Right. Um, and then – Boom! Then they'll play Florida State, who's a, a very solid team, um, and then either VCU or rematch with, with Purdue in the championship of that tournament, or, or consolation game, depending on how, they, how things go. VCU's already beaten a, a pretty good LSU team, so you know they've they, they've got some ability, and we'll we'll know. You know, I th- I think we'll have a pretty good idea. But I think Tennessee right now, the the challenge for them, I mean, the challenge for everybody, is to keep getting better. But you know, Tennessee's got a lot of veteran people, and I think you're going to see. You know they should be better right now than a team like you know Florida, who's obviously going through some growing pains. I right. would caution Tennessee fans not to get just fat and happy about how the Gators are strong or
2: Kentucky, who's going through growing yeah, pains. Yeah, I mean
3: those 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 teams will be a lot better when Tennessee plays them in, in conference play.
0: So Tennessee should be better out of the gate right I now, I think, because, so. they got, because of their experience in the backcourt. And a, a even though
3: Fulkerson and Ponds are in new roles, but they they've, they've been here. You know, three years, four years in Fulkerson's case. So I, I think you should expect Tennessee to be. You know, to know what they're doing, and they'll get better as, as James gets better, as Cam gets better, but I don't know that their ceiling is as high as some of these other teams. So they need to make hay. Well, you know, right now, and also uh, just while we were typing this podcast, Tennessee got some big news, and that James Wiseman is going to be eligible, but not until January twelfth. So,
0: so the balls little, little luster came
3: off that Memphis game.
0: I mean, a lot of That'd people with balled-up fist and in, and in, in ti- in Tiger High gear, I can't right?
3: Wait. That's going to be a show. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, tough, pretty tough non-conference schedule. I, mean, yeah. I mean, Memphis has still got tons of talent. So and then Tennessee's going to play on the road at Cincinnati, December 18th. Wisconsin, you know, I don't, I mean, they're not nearly as good as they have been in years past, but they're, they're solid. So. Tennessee's going to have some tests. If they hit conference play with two or three losses, I think they will have done very well.
0: You're surprised that some people have been a little bit of critical of, of Barnes saying that they're not going to renew the Memphis series? Not in the league. Well, I'm not surprised some people
3: have been critical, but I'm not. I, yeah, I you, you said a, a year ago. Yeah. I said it was going to happen. Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock after that game was over a year ago in Memphis. that, that forget about it. He yeah. will never He will never play the series again. I don't blame it, him.
0: it benefits Memphis much more than it benefits Tennessee I mean, to yeah, play cuz cuz I mean, Tennessee can get a home and home with whoever they want.
3: I totally get I mean, I get why fans like it.
0: I totally get that.
3: Right. I mean it and this this arena would be rocking but it doesn't it doesn't help Tennessee to play one of the best teams in, in the AAC. Are you kidding me? I mean it it helps it helps Memphis. Right. And and I keep people are talking about recruiting recruiting recruiting. Tennessee has has never ever in the 20th century, signed a kid out of Memphis that Memphis wanted. Hasn't happened.
0: That's true. I, I can't think of one. And they played Memphis a lot. You know.
3: So how much benefit have they gotten? I mean, Tell me.
0: Yeah. Again, I, I'm with you. It benefits Memphis a lot more. By the way, hats off to the VCU AD and their administration. I love this. You, you know the story in their contract? You know why LSU played there? Oh,
3: they, had, they made Will Wade do that, right? When everybody,
0: everybody who's left there to take a Power 5 job, part of the stipulation when they leave, is they have they have to have a home and home with VCU at their next job within three years of being there. Same thing happened with Anthony Grant. They cut
3: him a break on the buyout, right?
0: Right. So Anthony Grant takes Alabama up there two two years after he leaves VCU, and that's why Will Wade played the up, there, and that, you know, up there. Shaka go back up there. Yeah, Shaka played up there. Took Texas up there, and that's why they do it. Hats off to I mean, I give administration smart. credit for Man, speaking it moving around, beating the agent on something a little bit. Speaking if
3: you will. of LSU, and I mean that's. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but it's been a rough start for the SEC in yeah. basketball. Mm-hmm. you really? talk about RPI, and every, I mean, I think these teams are going to be a lot better because they got so many young guys. But LSU loses at VCU, Florida just—I mean—a tr- trash loss to um, UConn at home the other day. They lost to Florida State. There's not a lot of shame in that. But then Kentucky loses to Evansville, you know,
2: and, and, and had a really close game. Was it with Utah Alabama State or Loses, loses
3: to Penn. Um, South, Carolina, South Carolina loses to Boston University, some, some, some tough hits in yeah, the first not, couple weeks not, of the season.
0: Not going to be great for the ORPI quality wind measurement when, when you get to the end of the year, that, that's for sure. Uh, so plenty of basketball coming up. Recruiting will heat back up, as Jesse and Austin said, starting next week with the official visits and then everything rolling into December. Uh, but on the, the forefront right now is this, bas- or this football team taking on Missouri and an opportunity to get to bowl eligibility Saturday night in Columbia against the Tigers. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us.